When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. With the 18th pick in the 2019 draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Garrett Bradbury, center, North Carolina State. Myra Metcalf here, back on another edition of Purple Daily on Score North, scorenorth.com with the one and only Manny Hill. Man, I'm honored uh, to be doing a Friday show the day after the draft. And uh, as you just heard the audio, Garrett Bradbury out of North Carolina State, the offensive lineman, the versatile offensive lineman, selected at 18 by the Minnesota Vikings. First off, Manny, hello. Uh, How are you? Good man, you weren't here last week. Forgot to get, didn't get a chance to wish you happy birthday. I appreciate that, man. Thank yeah. you. I took a couple of days off last week. My birthday was Thursday, the 18th, and then I just figured I'd make it a four day weekend and took I took Friday off as well. That's a smart move, man. I'm I'm doing that this weekend, man. I'm I'm down in Kansas City, gonna see uh, Scarface and Mystical and Bun B. There's a whole rap show down here. I'm gonna check out, make it a good weekend. But it, it, it's been a great weekend for Vikings fans. Yes. Uh, if nothing else happens between today and Saturday, you've already got a great weekend with Garrett Bradbury, who seems to be the guy where I mean, usually you, you get a good offensive lineman, and when you have a need like that, clearly it makes a lot of sense. So uh, I didn't expect any criticism, but the amount of praise for this young man who spent the season at left guard. Uh, is versatile enough to play that position, Manny, but was a center, All-American center. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who comes into a Minnesota Vikings team that's going, okay, we want to have options. And by selecting Garrett Bradbury, by the way, if your name's Garrett Bradbury, you, you got a couple choices in life, and one of them is offensive lineman. I mean, I mean that is, in every, yes. in every Disney movie when the credits are rolling, like every football Disney movie, there's a Garrett Bradbury mentioned in the credits uh, at some point. But this guy's versatile, Manny. Yeah. He, he fits the need. Um, I, I think if you're Mike Zimmer, you, you don't know exactly what you're going to do with the offensive line if you're Kubiak. But this gives you an opportunity to say, you know what, let's figure it out over the next three to four months, see where we can put this kid. Uh, and I think that's a great place to be if you're the Minnesota Vikings. Definitely, and I think now with adding him, you have two guys on the line now that can play interchangeable positions. I mean, Bradbury, you mentioned he played some guard at NC State. Uh, Pat Elfline, who was the incumbent center for the Minnesota Vikings the last couple of years, um, he played some guard at Ohio State as well. So I think the way it's looking, it, it looks like, based on what we talked about on the air last night, it looks like Elfline is going to slide over to that left guard spot, and then Bradbury is going to be inserted as as a center. And I think when you have two guys like that that can both play that position, it, it gives you it gives you some options. It gives you some versatility on that line, and that's something that they've they've tried to have on the offensive line the last couple of years. It's just when they've moved guys around, it just it just hasn't hasn't really worked out well. I mean, they tried to yeah. move. Mike Remmers to to right guard. He played right guard basically all of 2018, and he was not good there. He was the best option there because they didn't have anybody else to step in and play better. But he really, overall, he really did not play well at right guard. So now they went and got Josh Klein in free agency, and now they've added Bradbury. So they've they've done a pretty good job now of boosting the offensive line and setting it up. Options, man. I I mean, like in my college days, Manny, on a Friday night, I wanted options. 
Uh, I wanted a couple places that I could go on a Friday night. That's always a good feeling <laughs> when you know you can do a couple of things. And clearly with Garrett Bradbury, you, you have those options. And, you know, to your point, it's one thing to say I can move a guy to guard if I have to. I can move a guy, you know, he's interchangeable. It's another thing to say you've got a guy who has proven that he can be elite at multiple positions. That, to me, is the difference with a Garrett Bradbury and what he's already proven throughout his collegiate career. He's a fifth-year guy, mature, aged, experienced, has all those intangibles that, that you would want at that position, which is why everybody's excited uh, uh, about this deal. And just think about it. Minnesota Vikings fans complain about a lot of things, Manny. But, <laughs> but, but here's the it. deal. Here's the deal, though. <laughs> and, I, and I get it. You could be the Arizona Cardinals right now, right? Where, where Steve Kime picks Kyler Murray and apparently wasn't fielding calls on Josh Rosen until minutes before the NFL draft, and now he's stuck with two quarterbacks, and Josh Rosen's value has diminished incredibly. You could be the Giants, uh, who, who somehow picked Daniel Jones. What were they doing last well, here, night? Well, here's the deal. They, they were doing what the Giants do. Right, they they were doing Giants things. Right, this is the team that what Landon Collins, uh, OBJ. They get rid of them after paying them. Mm-hmm. You, you get a Daniel Jones. If you care about numbers, which I care a lot about numbers, and I understand the you know how big he is, throwing motion, all those things. Mackenzie Milton at UCF suffered that severe leg injury. I think November twenty third missed two games. Yeah, Mackenzie Milton's numbers were better than Daniel Jones's numbers. And he had 100 fewer attempts, Manny. Like, like that's what we're talking about. A guy who, in Daniel Jones, wasn't better than McKenzie Milton, who essentially didn't play the last two games, really three games, due to injury. And you pick this guy because the Mannings like him, because you know he's a senior bowl MVP. Manny, this had to be the most ridiculous move that we've seen in the NFL draft so far. Well, and, and that's Dave Gettleman, though, right? Like, every, yeah. basically ever since he's taken over as the GM, and I know that he was with the organization for a long time, you know, in the front office, and then he had the, the brief stint in Carolina running the Panthers, but ever since he's come back to the Giants as general manager, like, everything he's done, you're, you're, it just kind of leaves you scratching your head. Like, what are you doing? And Nobody knows. You, you, you take Daniel Jones at six when you have Dwayne Haskins on the board, sitting there on the board, yeah. and Haskins is... I don't think Haskins is going to be great, but I think he's going to be pretty good. And it seems to me like Haskins is a guy that's going to be a little bit closer to being ready to step in and play right away. Now, you have Eli Manning in the, in the situation, too, and I think that's that might be part of why they went and got Daniel Jones instead of Haskins is because they figure, well, Jones is, Jones is more of a project and he can sit behind Eli. So basically so that they can extend having Eli be the incumbent starter for, for as long as they possibly can before they have to put the young guy in. Yeah, but and I get that. And, but that's where the confusion comes in. Gettleman basically said, yeah, he, you know, Eli Manning has to hold him off next season. He's got to play well enough so we don't insert this guy. He also said it could be an Aaron Rodgers situation where he sits for three years. Here's the, here's the thing with the Aaron Rodgers comparison. For it to work, you've got to have Aaron Rodgers. Right, yeah. like so, it's not. It's not like you just say, "Hey, any quarterback, if you sit them for three years, they're going to mature and become an All-Pro quarterback." You go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, very unique situation, folks. I mean, what Joe Montana, Steve Young is the only comparison probably between uh, quarterbacks who who are on the same roster. So I don't know what they're getting after. If you're a Vikings fan, just be glad you're not there. You could be the Oakland Raiders, right? There's no need mm-hmm. to discuss what they did in the draft. They did what the Oakland Raiders do as well. I, I mean, clearly. Uh, their draft pool, moving up in the draft to get three pick, another pick in the first round, all the things they did, you go, okay, what are they going to come out of this with? It doesn't make any sense. What, the Pharrell kid, Cleveland Pharrell, is that his name, mm-hmm. uh, that the Raiders moved up, that some people had slotted in the, at the end of the first round, uh, and they pick him as high as they did? Oakland Raiders, right? That, that's who they are. Yeah, and, it, then, and then they took a running back. It just doesn't matter. Oh, it's, it's John Gruden. I'm t- Why? It's because it's, it's, it's 1982. <laughs> like, what are you doing? It's, it's, it's 19. I guarantee you, the way that you reach John Gruden, if you're a member of his staff, is you got to page him. I guarantee he has a beeper. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee he's got no cell phone. It's 1982, whatever it is, fine, if that's what you want to do. If you're the Vikings, you didn't make a lot of headlines, right? There's nobody that you pick right now that people are going, oh, man, let's talk about this guy, Garrett Bradbury. What's he about? There's no narrative uh, attached to him because he's not a quarterback or a big play receiver or anything like that. 
there's beauty in that for me, Mandy. The unsexy NFL draft is one of the more underrated things <laughs> in all of football, right? When you leave and it's like, okay, people aren't talking about you so much, but you just got better. And football people know you got better. And the best comparison for me to what I think the Minnesota Vikings are starting to do and can do is what the Colts did last year. You go out and get Quentin Nelson, a really nasty, amazing offensive lineman, all-pro. You get Braden Smith in the second round. Also got Darius Leonard in there, who's all-pro. The Colts in 2017, Manny, gave up 56 sacks. Mm -hmm. Worst in the league, 56. Last year, they gave up 18 after rebooting their offensive line. Why, why is it this the number one story in football? This is a team that had essentially a 40-sack differential from one year to the next yeah. by adding a couple of young offensive linemen who changed the makeup of that, of that entire team. You get an Andrew Luck who's coming off the shoulder injury, hadn't played for nearly two years. This guy has to be protected. The year he got hurt, he was sacked 41 times. Mm-hmm. This is a guy you have to protect. What happens when they protected him last year? The guy threw for more passing attempts than he ever had in his entire career, most completions. Uh, and, and there was a stretch where Andrew, looked like, Andrew Luck looked like an MVP candidate. This is what happens when you protect guys. And if I'm going to say anything in favor of Kirk Cousins, who I've been a critic of him, just like a lot of people. Mm -hmm. The one thing is, last year was really the fourth season where Kirk Cousins was a consistent starter, right? Yep. This is a guy who was sacked 81 times in two years. 4,900-yard Kirk Cousins, the guy that everybody thought, hey, this could be the guy we get. This is the guy we hope we get. 4,900-yard Kirk Cousins was only sacked 23 times, which was a low for him in his career. So I still think if you're Zimmer, if you're Kubiak, if you're this franchise, you can still sell the idea, Manny, of we have yet to see a protected Kirk Cousins. But there is proof in his career that when he is protected, that this guy can be a 5,000-yard kind of quarterback. And he's got the targets to do it here. This feels to me that we're going to look back at Garrett Bradbury, if he's as good as we think he is, Manny, and we're going to say, okay, the Vikings might be the smartest team in the draft because they just added that piece that this team needed to protect a quarterback who might be better than he showed last year. Yeah, and the other part of it too is is Gary Kubiak, right? And the and the Huge. zone blocking scheme that they're gonna that they're gonna have. This offense, when you go back to Kirk Cousins, the 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 forty nine hundred yard season he had in Washington a few years back, he had a lot of weapons around him. He had a really good offensive line, and the system that they were running was very similar to I think the system that Gary Kubiak is going to implement into this offense now. Yes. So they they recognized this is where I'll give the Vikings some credit. They recognized the mistake that they made last year when they just went and signed Kirk Cousins and gave him all the money and then thought that, you know, just here's the keys to the offense and there you go. You're going to you're going to be an elite level quarterback and you're going to take us over the hump. That was where they made the mistake because they didn't realize that, okay, this is a guy that you have to prop up. You need to surround yeah. him with weapons. You need to give him a really good offensive line. You need to make the surrounding environment around him as good as you possibly can. And that goes with coaching. It comes with the talent around him, the system that you're running, all of that. And so I'll give the Vikings some credit. It's it's a year too late, but it's a year. I mean, it's a year later, but... They have gone in the right direction now to try and maximize Kirk Cousins to the best of their ability. Now, it would be nice to see them get like a third wide receiver or something. Too. Oh, I knew you were going to say that, Manny. I knew, I knew that <laughs> was coming. another tight end. That'd be great. I knew that was coming, Manny. I know you want another target. You know, and, and that's not a crazy thought. Look, uh, when it comes to quarterbacks, obviously we know what happened last year. It wasn't Dave Gettleman-like, who apparently saw Daniel Jones for three series at the Senior Bowl and said, that's my guy. I don't know if you heard the quote, Manny, but he was asked about Dwayne Haskins, and he said, yeah, Dwayne Haskins was good in the Big 12. Like, that's how much scouting Dave Gettleman did oh, uh, on quarterbacks. It's really terrible. Uh, for me, here's another thing that we, that we see, and I think another <laughs> thing that was, that was proven, man, in, in this draft. The question going into this season is, Mike Zimmer is a guy who likes to steer the ship. He's a guy that is that old school, we do things my way, right? When you bring in a Gary Kubiak, already we knew that move was Mike Zimmer saying, 
there are some weaknesses I know I have. And if I bring in a guy like this, it's going to make everybody better, including myself. Because uh, for me, I'm against know-it-all coaches. Uh, the, the, the worst thing in the NFL is a know-it-all coach. You want a coach who knows his strengths and is smart enough to hire the people who help him cover up his weaknesses, which I think Gary Kubiak does with Mike Zimmer. Mm-hmm. What I love about this pick is that clearly Gary Kubiak's impact matter. And I think there were a bunch of defensive linemen uh, who were left in that draft <laughs> who I could see Mike Zimmer just, just salivating, you know, going, oh, my goodness, all these guys that I could go and grab. But he understood what was best for the organization. I think he depended on his staff, especially Gary Kubiak, who you know, spent an offseason looking at a lot of these guys when he wasn't coaching. That, to me, is a sign of the respect these two have for one another. It's a sign of consistency within the organization. And it's a sign that in moments when you've got to go to that other voice, when maybe if you're Mike Zimmer and you're not certain, or when you want to make sure that, hey, listen, this is a guy who I think I value his input. In game situations, I think that's what you'll see with Gary Kubiak and Mike Zimmer, and we saw that in the draft. Because if you can say Bradbury's the guy we need and we all agree on it and I trust the input of my staff, that to me was a huge step for this entire franchise and this entire organization because it shows that there might be a continuity that this entire group lacked last year. Yeah, no question. And and I think when you look at the way the picks sort of – came out at you know leading up to 18 where the Vikings took Bradbury the closer we got to 18 the more it started to seem like okay they're gonna get the guy that they really wanted because the concern my concern and the concern of a lot of other people were was that a lot of these offensive linemen that people were looking at were not gonna be there at 18 and then if you're the Vikings okay then what do you do do you trade back do you go do you take does does Mike Zimmer take a defensive player? Does he take oh, you a know, corner? Does he, he take a defensive it. tackle? Does he, yeah. you know, or do they move back to try and, you know, to try and get more picks down the line? But I think when you saw, you know, when you saw Devin Bush go to Pittsburgh, when Pittsburgh moved up, oh, they got and, they got him. And, that guy's took be great. Devin, Devin Bush, yeah. and then the Packers took Rashawn Gary. You know, the Dolphins then took Christian Wilkins. You know, and even even going back to when the Giants took Daniel Jones, because Daniel Jones was certainly a reach. I don't think anybody <laughs> thought he was going to go that high. Yeah. And when that happened, I think you you kind of thought, kind of thought to yourself, okay, it's starting to shape up to the point where they're going to have basically their their choice of whatever offensive lineman that they want, and and they had that. I mean, they, you had you had Dillard, and you had. Um, you had uh, Caleb McGarry and you had Titus Howard. You had a couple of offensive linemen on the board that they could have, that they certainly could have taken instead of Bradbury. And and so they had, they were able to get the guy that they wanted without having to sweat about it. So it was, it was a, it was a really good night for the Vikings. Great night for the Vikings. Courtney Cronin, uh, our expert ESPN covers Minnesota Vikings. We'll talk to her about the Minnesota Vikings draft, round one, and what she projects for day two after this. It's Purple Daily on Score North. Myron Metcalf back here on Purple Daily on Score North. Scorenorth.com with the one and only Manny Hill talking NFL Minnesota Vikings and the draft. We have the one and only Courtney Cronin, who I'm sure she has not slept in like two weeks. Uh, but she's been, is that accurate? Yeah, and you've been That's gracious accurate. enough to to join us, and I really appreciate it. Um, I guess my, I guess my question, Courtney, is what everybody's kind of wondering: Why are the Minnesota Vikings better right now than they were going into the draft after grabbing Garrett Bradbury? Well, I think there's definitely a sigh of relief around this fan base, around this franchise. That okay. They did what they were supposed to do. They didn't try to overcomplicate it by potentially trading back and getting caught in a run on offensive linemen. They had their guy, the guy that was at the top of their board at the position all along, and they got him. They, they followed point A to point B, not going to point C and then backtracking to point B and then going to point F and moving around. I mean, they, they didn't overcomplicate this, and I think that that's what a lot of Vikings fans wanted to see them pay attention to the offensive line. And, and truth be told, it's not like they haven't in years past. This is Rick Spielman's third offensive lineman he's taken in the top three rounds since 2017 when they got Elf Line. Last year they got Brian O'Neill. 
and then this year with Garrett Bradbury. So I think it just gives you that presence knowing that, okay, you're, this doesn't need to be a game of musical chairs. It's not like you drafted a tackle and you're expecting to slide him in at, at, at right tackle and you're going to move Brian O'Neill around and move Riley Reef around. Like You have an interior lineman who's going to play on one of the interior spots. It's as simple as that, and they have a day-one starter. Courtney, at what point last night did it feel like the Vikings were, were pretty confident that they were going to be able to get Bradbury? Because I know going into the first round, there was thoughts that, okay, there, they, there might be a run on offensive linemen before, before the Vikings even pick at 18. And if that happens, then what do they do? Do they trade down? Do they try and move up a couple spots to get the guy that they wanted? At what point last night did it really seem like this was going to fall into place perfectly for the Vikings? Well, Atlanta, I think, is the one who took the first guard that went off the board. That was Chris Lindstrom. Um, So that was somebody that Minnesota really liked as well. So I think that, as Mike Zimmer said, there was a little bit of nerves as they were going through that and getting down to the wire. But when you see Andre Dillard get past Carolina at 16, um, and you have all these tackles available, and you still have Garrett Bradbury available to the Vikings, I think they felt pretty confident that you know the team before them at 17 – um, the Giants, that they were going to be able to still get their guy. The, they were really benefited from the run on defensive linemen, outside linebackers. Um, obviously, you know, both Devin Bush and Devin White went in the first uh, part of the draft. Like, the run on defensive linemen that we expected to happen pushed all of these offensive linemen further down the board, and that only benefited Minnesota in the long run. Courtney, I'm looking ahead to you know, some of the best available right now. You guys like Miles Sanders, running back, uh, DK Metcalf, who if the Vikings pick him, I will pitch a show called Metcalf and Metcalf, uh, which I think could be a huge hit. But but for you, you know, is it you know boosting the offensive line, continue to go there, a running back, wide receiver? What's the priority going into game two? I mean, day two. So they've got their pick tonight at in the second round at fifty. So. There's, I, I project that the offensive lineman run is probably going to do exactly what it did last year and start out this second round and probably go till about somewhere in the mid-60s. If Dalton Reisner is there at 50, you have to take him. Um, that, to me, if you want to go all in, just nip this offensive line issue in the bud, then that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, will they? I mean, will he be there? I, I don't think they trade up to get him. I really don't know, given their draft capital situation right now. They've got seven picks left. Um, I'm definitely expecting a trade back at some point, just given Rick Spielman's M.O. of wanting to have ten picks every draft. Um, so... How they do that, does it start tonight? Potentially. But they also have to address the fact that they need another tight end. They need a pass-catching option over the middle of the field for Kirk Cousins. Um, and they need another interior defensive lineman. That's been one of their biggest needs. They can't just neglect defense because everybody wants to go all in on offensive line. Um, they've got to shore up that three-technique position. And you know whether that happens second, third round would not surprise me. Going back to Bradbury real, quick, real quickly here, Courtney, who was it that really looked at him and really – was it Gary Kubiak that really liked him a lot and that was really sold on him being the being the number one guy on their board? Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Um, Gary Kubiak, when we talked to him in January – February when all the hires were made official, said that you know for the last few years when he was in a you know, personnel role in Denver – he had been scouting all the college players, and he said specifically with this 19 class, he was way ahead uh, with this group because it's all he did last year um, when he wasn't coaching. He wasn't on the field coach in Denver. So I think that he definitely knew who he wanted. Um, he's kind of been like this voice behind the scenes. Uh, we're not really sure exactly what his role is just yet. I mean, we know kind of have an idea of what we think it will be but Gary Kubiak's influence and his fingerprints so far as we can tell are all over this draft and it'll be really interesting to see what other offensive players they get uh, if they you know continue on with offensive linemen are they these athletic um, non-road grader types the you know the the guys who can move laterally and, and give you that second level presence um, because that's what he wants to do with his outside zone scheme that's how you have a successful outside zone scheme and I'm really curious, you know, obviously he's always had a really good tight end on his roster, too, especially in Denver. 
Like, if they go and get a second-round or third-round tight end, and it's somebody who's yeah, like a true big-body wide receiver guy uh, that's an athletic complement to Kyle Rudolph, like, that to me is going to point all signs to Gary Kubiak saying, hey, this is the guy I wanted. I want to go after him. Courtney, how good is that for, for a franchise that dealt with so much chaos last year to know that Zimmer and Kubiak are clearly working together and working well uh, going into the season? I think it's huge. I think just given uh, being on the same page is so critical for Mike Zimmer. Uh, you know, I, you certainly saw that he was not there with uh, John Filippo last year, and there were some different opinions on how the offense should be run. Um, hearing Mike talk about just the way that the offense is coming together this offseason, seeing how excited he is, um, and just you know, hearing him wax poetic about just you know Gary Kubiak and, and the West Coast system and how this whole thing is going to come together is really inspiring in a way um, because he's excited. And I think that that gives him a chance to, yes, he wants to be involved in the offense. Yes, he wants the, to run the ball more. His voice is being heard loud and clear, but he's not having to deviate from what he wants to do with his defense um, and some of these changes he told us at the owners' meetings that they're going to be, you know, really some out-of-the-box things. He can still focus on that stuff and know that his offense is in good hands and being run the way that he wants it to be run. Okay, Courtney. Are we going to see any major trades by this team today at all On uh, as we go through the second and third rounds today? Do we, are we going to see any players potentially being on the move at all, like a Kyle Rudolph or Trey Waynes or anything like that? Well, if it happens, it's going to happen today. Um, they, it's smart. They didn't. If they needed to move a corner, they would have. They would have over, over. I guess not. I wouldn't say overpaid. It's not the right word. Um, it wouldn't have been the right value to do it yesterday. And if they do move a corner, then it's, in my opinion, that's a trade that we're going to say, hey, the Vikings won that because you're going to see a bunch of draft capital come back to them. Um, it just didn't make sense. I know a lot of people were wondering, okay, why didn't anything happen in the first round so they could potentially get them more stuff to set up for Tuesday? Well, it's not like you can't do it in the middle of the you know the rounds today. We saw them trade away their third-round pick last year um, and only end up with a second-round pick on day two. So if there's anything, yes, it will happen today. Um, the Kyle Rudolph buzz is still a little bit out there, I'd say. I know that it picked up a little bit yesterday. We've been reporting it. Um, you know, for, for weeks now that that could be, be a possibility. Where that would happen and what that would yield is going to be really interesting because right now they don't have a fifth-round pick. Um, I know that they probably would like to get one and possibly even somebody else, you know, in the third or in the fourth. I mean, that might be a little bit high for Kyle Rudolph, but you're looking at a Trey Wayne situation. I think it's a third at minimum um, and possibly even more. Courtney, as always, thank you so much for, for joining us. I know you got a lot of work to do. You're doing great stuff. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Courtney Cronin, ESPN, uh, Vikings reporter, Score North radio host. Um, again, man, I just, you know, even, even hearing from Courtney, just, just think about how you could have woken up this morning if, you're, if you were a Giants fan or a Raiders fan. Or, <laughs> like, just think about the, the attitude yeah. you would have or the feeling you would have. And if you're a Vikings fan right now, you got to be pretty happy. You know, this yeah. is a team that is still two years removed from the NFC Championship run. You know, last year we, we know what happened, but this feels like a team that did exactly what it was supposed to do to fit a need. And not just fit a need with anybody, but with someone who's versatile enough to give you options on this offensive line, which is the most important thing that they had to address coming into this NFL draft. I think last night went about as well as it possibly could for this team in terms of who they got, who they identified as their number one guy. And I, you know, we, we, we see... You know, GMs, after they make a draft pick, they, you know, a lot of times they will go up and say, yep, this is the guy we wanted all along. And this is, you know, and, and half the time it's, you know, they're just saying it because, you know, they want to they wanna hype up the guy that they took. But I, I really do believe that this was the number one guy on their board and this is the guy that they wanted. And for everything to sort of lay out the way it did leading up to them picking it, it was just a perfect. It was a perfect situation for them. It was a perfect scenario for them because they had their options for guys that that could have come in and 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 fit their system and fit the, what they wanted to do. And the number one guy that they had on their list was there and available for for them. And uh, they got the guy they wanted. So I I think the way 
everything played out last night for them was about as good as it possibly could be for them. Yeah, and I also think that this team looks really good for a number of reasons going back to what they did last year. Kirk Cousins has his flaws, but one of the concerns was if you don't get a guy in 2018, then you've got to rely on this 2019 draft where you don't have a sure thing. Uh, I think Kyler Murray is a fascinating player. Um, I don't know if he can play at this level the same way he did in college. Uh, I don't know how durable he is. Dwayne Haskins said the league made a bad move when the Giants passed on him at six. Maybe. Uh, I know he threw for almost 5,000 yards at Ohio State, but there are no guarantees with Haskins. And Daniel Jones, my goodness. I mean, man, I don't know, man. I, 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 don't, I, I, my, I, I don't even know what to say about that. I saw him a play a pick. couple times at Duke, and, and I'm not a quarterback guru or anything like that, Myron, but my goodness, man, there were some throws that he made where it's just like, dude, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> what are you looking at? Dude, I, I just, I, I don't know, to, to reach up and take that guy at six like that, I mean, whew, I don't it's know, terrible. man. It's terrible. I don't know, man. It's terrible is what it is, but this is what the Giants do. And I'm also curious to see what happens in day two in terms, in terms of some guys falling. Like, DK Metcalf looks like an Instagram model, right? Like, I remember all the, the <laughs> photos with the shirt off and... It got to a point where I'm like, okay, put a shirt on. I mean, I get it. You're, you're negative 3.5% body fat or whatever it was. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, had a 14-pack, and people were saying he could be this phenomenal receiver. And there was, there was top 10 talk after some of those measurables came out, Manny. And then everybody came back to reality and said, oh, he can only run one route, it seems like. But in terms of a, a, a third receiver, if this free fall continues – and for some reason, he's there because people just go, he's limited. Um, you know, they don't trust that he can be a big play guy. What would you like do a, there? Isn't there like an injury concern with him, too? There's been some injury concerns, yeah. which was a lot like uh, a guy on this roster. Uh, also from Ole Miss as well. Uh, you, you have a guy who, though, is built. You assume he's built, if he stays healthy, to, to be a solid player. Uh, physically, you know he's ready. I'm just intrigued by where DK Metcalf goes. It's not just because I want to create the Metcalf and Metcalf show. I mean, it's not just because of that. But I, <laughs> but I, but I am, I am curious to see like where he ends up. Um, is he Laquan Treadwell? I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> same let's, school, let's, right? Let's hope not. Well, same school. And, <laughs> yeah. And and the things about Laquan were Laquan Treadwell was this physical specimen. Coming off major injuries, yeah. Pre pre injury, Laquan Treadwell. The thing I'll always say about him, Manny, he he was phenomenal. And like pre injury, yeah. Laquan Treadwell was a dangerous man. Um, it, it just hasn't shown up in the league. And well, so you that's, gotta, that's that's the problem. That's what's so baffling to this day about Laquan Treadwell is you look at the numbers that he put up at Ole Miss, even after the injury, the numbers that he put up. And then you look at the the level of competition. He's going up against Nick Saban's defense. He's going yeah. up against you know Les Miles's defense at LSU. I mean, the SEC is is that's the toughest competition in America. The toughest defenses to go up against in America, and for him to be that productive and to come into the NFL and just basically give this team next to nothing for nothing. the last three years. Is still baffling to me. I I don't I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Well, we're gonna see if DK Metcalf is follows the same path. Uh, at a minimum, we know he's gonna take his shirt off and take a bunch of sh- uh, pictures because that's that's what he <laughs> that's what he does. But you know, Miles Sanders at Penn State is an interesting guy. I mean, to me, if he doesn't follow Saquon Barkley, more people are talking about Miles Sanders and what he was able to do at Penn State. Had a great season. Uh, can do a lot of the. Th- I, I will never compare someone to a Saquon, but he's that versatile back. He ain't Saquon. I don't, I'm not going to say that. Mm-hmm. But he's the kind of guy who I think can really help a team right away. And, again, he was in the shadow of Saquon. But if you look at what he did at Penn State, that's going to be an interesting option there. If he's still there running back, uh, you know, whether D.K. Metcalf, Metcalf or Debo Samuel, guys like that are, are Debo still there. Debo Samuel intrigues me. I like him a lot. He intrigues me. The route running, the, from what I've heard about his route running and just how yeah. precise he is and 
in that area of his game. That that really intrigues me a lot. And I mean, you you have a nickname like Debo. I mean, that's it's the best. It's, it's he's got to come riding in on the bike. Too. Yeah, that'd, be, that's, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> that's the best day. You, you you cannot beat that. But to Courtney's point, if Dalton Reisner from Kansas State's there, yeah, yeah, you you, you take him and you figure out the rest later. Because then you you already set. You've protected Kirk Cousins, at least you hope. Again, Andrew Luck to me, and I'm not I'm not calling Kirk Cousins Andrew Luck, but protected Andrew Luck looks like a new person, a, a new player. He's they've extended the life, they've extended his career legitimately by what they did with their offensive line, and they've turned Andrew Luck into a guy who is going to be an MVP candidate going forward. I don't know if Kirk Cousins can do that. But I'm definitely intrigued by the possibility. I'm intrigued by the idea of Kirk Cousins being a guy who's not sacked 40 times, maybe having another target or two. I'm intrigued by by that potential with Kirk Cousins. Well, yeah, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about just maximizing him as much as you can. Give him as many, give him as many weapons as you can. Solidify that offensive line the best you can. Try to maximize what you can get out of Kirk Cousins, because I don't think he's ever going to be a top seven, top eight MVP candidate type of quarterback, but he can be good, and I think you can win with him, but you have to, you have to prop him up. You have, to make, you have to make the environment around him as good as you possibly can. And, I mean, it's, it's tough because of the, the amount of money that they're paying him, so they have to be crafty with how they manage their money and everything, but you know that, that to me that has been goal number one for this team this offseason is to surround Kirk Cousins with as much talent whether it's in the passing game in the backfield with the five offensive linemen in front of him surround him with as much talent as possible to allow him to to maximize maximize the skills that he has I want to see it man you know there there definitely won't be any excuses especially if you get nope. a Dalton Riser from Kansas State uh, and not just no excuses for Kirk Cousins, no excuses for Mike Zimmer. We, we are going to a season where if they fortify, solidify this offensive line, continue to do that. Obviously, Thursday was a huge component in that. But if they continue to make these moves, you're going to have a Mike Zimmer who's going in the next season saying there are absolutely no excuses for what this team can do, what they're capable of doing. And now I've added the mind of Gary Kubiak to this as well. There should be no excuses for this entire franchise after today, where I think they'll get an offensive lineman. Um, I think that's the smart play because you don't have any home runs. I mean, in terms of the targets you, you might get, mm-hmm. uh, receivers and running backs, you don't have anyone. And to me, healthy Dalvin Cook is still going to be able to carry the load. And I don't know that you need to spend a, a second-round pick on a running back in 2019 NFL. But you may have to use one of your picks at some point. You, on you a guy. do. You might have to. Yeah, but I just don't know that – I'll say this. I think there are maybe every draft now in, in this NFL, you might have one or two running backs who are first-round guys, but they're not running backs. They're versatile players mm-hmm. who can catch out of the backfield block, do all those things. After that, for the most part, it's hard to pick a running back higher than the third round. It just You're either a first-round unique talent to me or you're third round or lower as a running back, meaning – there's a bunch of you who can do some similar things in, in, in the right system. I'd love to hear from callers, if, if they're out there, what you think about this draft for the Minnesota Vikings, what you hope they address in, on day two. 651-646-8255. 651-646-8255. We'll be back on Score North after this. Drink the Purple Punch. It burns your insides and it makes your eyes water. Purple Daily on Score North. Score North. This feels right. Let's pursue this further. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. He came to NC State as a 250-pound tight end. And uh, thanks to uh, Dan Burnett, the strength coach, and uh, Garrett Bradbury being the kind of worker he is with a tremendous work ethic, uh, made himself into the kind of uh, player that he uh, is now, first-round draft pick in the NFL. So, uh, I mean, what's uh, as far as I'm concerned, what's not to like about this young man? Myron Metcalf back here on Purple Daily on Score North, scorenorth.com with Manny Hill. Uh, that was Pat Hahn, play-by-play Gary, man. Gary Hahn. Gary Hahn, I'm the sorry. The voice of uh, North Carolina State Wolfpack football. Talking about Garrett Bradbury, the new Minnesota Viking, 
interior lineman uh, who played center, can play guard, will likely play center. He'll, he'll end up at center, right? I mean, that that's the right – seems like the right I move. think so, yeah. I think I think he'll end up being center, and it looks like Elfline will slide over to, to left guard, which he can – he can do because he played some guard at, at Ohio State and actually did really well at it too. It's it's to me it's great to be in a situation where you don't have to reach. Where we had so many teams yesterday who appeared to be reaching for who, whoever they were going after. Uh, the Daniel Jones obviously is the biggest thing that stands out. A guy that the Giants pick at six who would have been there later in the draft, you assume, but the Giants felt like they had to get him there because that was. Uh, Dave Gettleman's guy after Dave Gettleman saw him for three series. This isn't like, you know, a lot of times you make that up, right? You say, oh, this guy didn't do any film, didn't do any work on this guy. But le- legitimately, Dave Gettleman said that he saw he saw Daniel Jones play three series in the Senior Bowl. He talked to the Mannings. Apparently, Daniel Jones had been in his camp, had been in the Mannings camp, and they liked him a lot. And that's how he made his decision on uh, picking a guy, Daniel Jones, at number six, who – He's either going to be the biggest shock that we've seen in a long time in the NFL draft, or this will look like another bust for the Giants. But Bradbury, there's not going to be a lot of national buzz about him. You're not going to hear a lot of people talking about him and what he could do for this team. Same way, you didn't hear about Quentin Nelson in Indianapolis and what he was going to do for that team. Offensive linemen don't get a lot of the buzz, clearly. But when you're picked 18th, you certainly don't get it. But that's not a bad thing. Because I think the Vikings got a lot better, potentially could protect Kirk Cousins and, and give him, uh, you know, the time he needs to be the best possible version of himself. I know that sounds like a TED talk, but that's what happens in the NFL. And Kirk Cousins, when he throws for 4,900 yards, he was protected, only sacked 23 times, 81 sacks in two years. Manny, 81 sacks in two years. That, that's a lot of sacks that for is a, a quarterback lot. to take <laughs> in two years, man. They got to they gotta fix that. But beyond that, let's say they address the offensive line. Let, let's say even if it's at pick 50, if they trade back, whatever they end up doing, what's the next concern, Manny? What's the next thing where you feel like by the end of tonight, you hope they will have addressed this position? Wide receiver slash tight end for me. And I, I, think, I think it just adds more to the argument I've made earlier about getting Kirk Cousins as many weapons as you possibly can, getting him a second tight end that can can complement Kyle Rudolph and eventually be, you know, the number one tight end down the line. I mean, Rudolph is still still the guy, depending on, you know, if they move on from him or not. You know, that's that you know, there's a lot of that has been speculated about. But I think if you can get, you know, another another tight end or a third wide receiver for for Kirk Cousins, that all it does is just give him more options, more weapons in the passing game because teams, Myron, teams' last handful of games of the season in 2018 were really starting to clamp down on Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and taking away Kirk Cousins' top two options in the passing game. And, you know, and there were, there were times where Cousins and Cal Rudolph weren't really able to get on the same page too, and and some of that, some of that, I think, has to do with scheme too. And the, the scheme is going to be different. The offense is going to be different. But I think if you can get Kirk Cousins a, another option to where he's not forced to have to throw to Laquan Treadwell under any circumstance yeah. whatsoever, yeah, I think that's really going to help help as well. So I'm looking at you know a, another wide receiver or another tight end. I'm looking at Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama. I like him a lot, man. You know what I mean? He's Diesel just not going to be there. Right. He's not gonna be there. Would he you probably trade up won't to get be him? there? Would you try? Would you trade up? The right I price? probably wouldn't trade up to get him, but I think yeah. if he's there, and you know, say a Dalton Reisner or something like that is not on the board, then I think then I think you definitely take him. But you know, Debo Samuel, we talked about Debo Samuel last segment. You know, I, I think he's another guy that you have to look at too as as just a, a third option to give to give Kirk Cousins a third option that you can rely on that's not going to drop passes like Laquan Treadwell does. How concerned are you about the running back depth chart right now if they don't address that tonight? I'm concerned about it just because I don't know how healthy Dalvin Cook is going to be. That's I mean, Dal- question. Dal- Dalvin Cook, as talented as he is, and when he's played, he's been, overall, he's been really good, but he hasn't played a full season yet. He's been in the league for two years, and he's played 15 games. He, yeah, hasn't, even te- he hasn't even played a full 16 games yet in the NFL, and he's been in the league for two years. So it's not that they need 
you know, it's not that they're lost in talent as far as the number one running back is, but you just don't know how healthy he's going to be. And he hasn't shown that he can hold up for a full season yet. And uh, I think you need to get another guy in there. I don't know, you know, I mean, Rock Thomas, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how they feel about the, the guy, the running backs they have on the roster already, but, you know, I mean, you're going to have to get somebody in that is going to be able to back up Dalvin Cook and, and add some of the same things to the offense that he does. And you wonder, I mean, that's why I think it'll be interesting to see how tonight shakes out because, to me, yes, obviously, if the Dalton Reisner is there, I feel like you got to go out and get him. Uh, Debo Samuel won't be there. But let's say something happens and he slips. Like, if you end up to me with someone like that being there, or to me, Miles Sanders, uh, the running back who I think will be off the board from Penn State, but if he's there, I just feel like you got to grab him uh, if he's there because he is that kind of a playmaker. And to your point, Dalvin Cook is a really good player, mm-hmm. really talented player. The biggest question is will he stay healthy over the course of a 16-game season? Uh, and if you get those two guys together, a young running back like Miles Sanders potentially or, or, or someone of that caliber, and again, I'm not – there are Dalvin Cooks who I think are, have the potential to be next-level running backs, uh, and they have a certain gift, athletic ability, speed, all those things, and then there's everybody else. And for me, it's nothing against running backs. I just think in the NFL, you can find a good running back in the later rounds. You can find a guy who maybe didn't run a 4-4, yeah. but in the right scheme uh, is going to be tough enough and durable enough to get yards. Uh, and that's all you're really hoping for if you're the Minnesota Vikings you got one big play guy in Dalvin Cook. Uh, you're going to be doing this through the air, though. I mean, the hope is that you, you got Thielen and Diggs, and you're making big plays, and they're at sort of an all-pro level is the goal. Kirk Cousins is protected and is back to the guy we saw in 2016 or something closer to that. Uh, that's how you're going to make your money. That's how you're going to make your mark. But depth obviously matters as well. What's, does this change the expectations? I mean, because it feels like a couple months ago we were talking about uh, how much trouble this franchise was in, uh, how many problems they had, how many, how many you know, was someone going to get fired? Uh, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is doomed. Like, we were having those conversations not that long ago, and here we are, Garrett Bradbury comes aboard, and it's like those conversations never happened. Did last night change expectations? For me, no. I mean, because I, I kind of have them as like a, I mean, we, we, when the schedule came out, Last week, we all, all of us here at Score North, we all went through the win loss thing, and I had them at ten and six, and I and I think after after last night, it, it's it's about it's it's about that. I don't think it, it makes it worse or or any better or anything like that. I'm I'm still I still feel like ten and six and you know a wild card team in the NFC playoffs is is about where I see them at right now. Now, I mean, who knows? Depending on who they get. You know, tonight and tomorrow. I mean, it, that that could potentially change too. But right now, I, I view them as like a ten and six type of team right now. They did well. I mean, I think yeah. it's fair to say they did well in, on day one. They hit the target. Uh, they got the right guy. They got the guy they needed. Um, and they've got options on that O line. They've got a quarterback who, to me, is going to have a chance to. Hey, let's see what you're really made of. Last year, people were disappointed. You know it. Everyone knows it. Let's see what you do with more protection. Um, and it feels like the pieces are in place. I still think that defensive line, add another piece there, uh, three-technique guy, that's important. But I think the pieces are coming together for this team to be a, a playoff time. And look, you're not, you're not the Cardinals who didn't trade Josh Rosen somehow <laughs> yesterday. They knew for three months. They were going to pick Kyler Murray. Yeah. Somehow Josh Rosen is still on that roster. Uh, Daniel Jones, who, who couldn't outplay McKenzie Melton at UCF, and this is a guy who, I guess the Mannings made that decision. The Raiders did what the Raiders do. Uh, you got the Chiefs, who didn't even have a pick. And Tyreek Hill is a guy who's going to oh, get boy. cut, you know, and deserves to get cut for yep. what he, his involvement in some child abuse uh, situation there. Uh, it, it, there are a lot of teams that are in a messy situation coming into this morning. Their fan bases are not happy, Manny, about what has transpired thus far. Uh, and I think if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, you can look at this and go, you know what? I'm I'm not upset about it. You know, I'm not upset about what I'm seeing. I think there is a good level of optimism 
I think there is a good level of optimism. I think especially after night. Now, like I said, last night didn't really change a whole lot for me because I kind of viewed them as a as about a ten as about a ten win uh, ten win team going into 2019. But I think a lot of fans last night, because of who they picked and because it was a position of need, and because that is what so many have been talking about. Um, since since the season ended that you know offensive line fix the offensive line you got to get an offensive lineman you got to get a guard you got to get a tackle get somebody I think with the pick being what it was I think a lot of people are feeling a lot better about it there's always going to be some people that are that are cynical that are still thinking uh, eight and eight seven and nine uh, six and ten all of that and that's fine but I think overall I think a lot of people were really happy with what they got last night I think people are excited to see what they what they do you know tonight and even tomorrow, and you know, we know Rick Spielman likes to make trades, and he he likes to move back and acquire as many picks as he can. He, he likes to get ten picks, at least ten picks in yeah. a draft. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens tonight. We'll see how it goes. It's a good day, man. It's been a good it's been a good good stretch so far. More to come tonight. Um, if you're a Vikings fan, you also got to be happy that you didn't have to talk your way into a quarterback. I mean, say what you want about this class. Uh, but you didn't have to – if you're the Giants, whether it's Daniel Jones or Haskins, there's no guarantee in this draft. And I think that's the situation where, you know, we all might – everyone looks like a stretch perhaps at this point with that quarterback class. We're going to keep this going. Matthew Collar's coming on. Uh, Purple Daily. We're going to be back after this. Drink. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.